Welcome everybody to the number one daily Bitcoin pod. In today's show, Bitcoin traders eye the weekly close volatility as Bitcoin returns to $27,000. And check this out, quoting Michael Saylor, Bitcoin is an asset class, and that's a major revolution. If Fidelity and BlackRock, and if 10 other ETF issuers all agree that Bitcoin is an asset class, it should be 10x to 100x bigger than it is right now. Max Kaiser's response to this, this was my thesis buying Bitcoin in 2011. Max Kaiser also says that every one of 7 million Salvadorans will have Bitcoin nodes to ensure their country never goes backwards. This is a project we're working on now. Respect. Also in today's show, Ethereum's losing streak versus Bitcoin hits a whopping 15 months. Can the Ethereum price reverse course? We'll also be discussing Apple briefly pulling the MetaMask Ethereum wallet from the App Store and then bringing it back, as well as crypto analysts as Bitcoins are surpassed gold and silver within the next decade, as well as Bloomberg analyst predicts the likelihood of a spot Bitcoin ETF by January 2024. I'm also going to be sharing with you macro economist Lynn Alden predicting the Bitcoin price is likely to hit another 10x, taking the price action to $280,000 per coin. We'll also be taking a look at the overall crypto market. All this plus so much more in today's show. Yo, what's good, crypto fam? This is first and foremost a video show. So if you want the full premium experience with video, visit my YouTube channel at CryptoNewsAlerts.net. Again, that's CryptoNewsAlerts.net. Now, this is podcast episode number 1431. Welcome to today's show. I'm your host, JV, and today is October 15th, 2023. Let's kick it off with our market watch. Massive shout out to everyone out there in the live chat. Let me know where you're tuning in from. From. Now, yeah, let's break this baby down. Checking out Coin360. We got Bitcoin reclaiming 27,000. Let's get it. We have Ether also back in the red, trading above 1560, along with XRP and BNB, while Doge, Solana, and Cardano are all correcting and in the red. And checking out CoinMarketCap.com. The current crypto market cap sits at $1.06 trillion, with roughly $16 billion of volume at the past 24 hours, with a Bitcoin dominance at 49.9% and the Ether dominance at 17.8%. How high do you feel the Bitcoin DOM is like the climb, the cycle? Let me know. And as you can see, the top 100 crypto gainers of the past 24 hours, Trust Wallet Token leading the pack up 6.5%, followed by Loom Network up 6.5%, followed by Ape NFT up almost 2%. Now checking out the top 100 crypto gainers for the past week. Uh, you can see a lot of gains overall, Loom, RLB, and Trust Wallet Token leading the pack. And checking out the Crypto Greed and Fear Index. We're currently rated a 45 in fear. Yesterday, a 47. Last week, a 50. And last month, a 45 in fear. So there you have it, fam. How many of you are currently bullish on the King Crypto? Let me know in the comments right down below. Now let's dive into today's Bitcoin technical analysis. Check out the charts and where the Bitcoin price action is likely to go next check it and again welcome y'all just joining us bitcoin cruised into a new weekly close on october 15th as the ultra boring trading conditions still offered hope of a 27,000 breakthrough which we just literally reclaimed before i hit the record button now data from cointelegraph and tradingview tracked a typically sideways weekend with a bitcoin price volatility absent prior to the close but still acting around the 26.8 key mark bitcoin denied traders major trajectory cues while the spot markets were quiet 
quiet. Quoting SKU Analytics, typical weekend algos hunting over exposed positions into the CME futures, open around 12 hours from now and weekly open tomorrow. Not really any significant flow for this weekend thus far, just one spot buyer and perp buyer, likely all go. So uh, considering that potential, crypto analyst Mikhail Van de Pop shared the following, weekends are ultra boring for trading, especially for Bitcoin. Unchanged perspective, did a double bottom test at 26,500 and held there, currently fighting resistance through which another test of 27,000 should end up with a breakout of $27,800. As he shared alongside this chart, let me know if you agree or disagree with Mikhail Van de Pop. And another trader, Dan Crypto Trades, is uh, sharing this here. Still no convincing close above or below some for weeks now as we trade right around this area. And then we had uh, him also share that Bitcoin pretty straightforward weekend, expecting some volatility and volume increase in a few hours as we tend to see on Sunday afternoon. And lo and behold, that's precisely what we're experiencing at this moment. Now, 27,000 and beyond also formed the focus as potential long-term support over the weekend as Timothy Peterson, founder and investment manager at Kane Island Alternative Advisors, said the Bitcoin price level is gaining importance moving forward. That's right. Thanks to the relationship between the price and adoption, 27,000 should constitute a form of a benchmark, which sustains the support around 75% of the time by the end of this year, 2023. Quitting him here, Bitcoin price spends 75% of its time above its adoption curve. That curve will reach 27,000 in 60 days. Interesting. And you can see that adoption curve chart for the King Crypto. Now, back in August, Peterson predicted a 15% Bitcoin price dip by October, while 100,000 should hit within the next three years. So there you have it, fam. Now, I shared this recently on X before I went live, and it's already going viral. Shout out to Michael Saylor, the one and only Giga Chad. I already got 375 hearts and 75 retweets. Here's what Michael Saylor shares in this clip, the founder of MicroStrategy, the first publicly traded company to put Bitcoin on its balance sheet. Saylor says, Bitcoin is an asset class, and that's a major revolution. If Fidelity and BlackRock, and if 10 other ETFs ETF issuers all agree the Bitcoin is an asset class. It should be 10x to 100x bigger than it is right now. Preach. And Max Kaiser retweeted it and wrote the following. This was my thesis buying Bitcoin in 2011. Word up. Go Max. Now, also want to share this. Someone was clowning El Salvador. LG, he wrote, the problem with El Salvador is that the entire country's prosperity is on one man's shoulders, referring to their president, Nigel Bokele. What happens when he's gone or taken out? And Max had a profound response. Listen up. Every one of 7 million Salvadorans will have Bitcoin nodes to ensure their country never goes backwards. This is the project we're working on now. Respect. Now, how many of you are currently running your own Bitcoin node, becoming the Bitcoin network? Let me know, fam, in the comments right down below. Hello. Now let's break down our next story of the day. Will Bitcoin continue outpacing Ethereum like it has been for the past 15 months? Well, let's discuss it, shall we? And shout out to everyone in that live chat. Much love and much respect. The price of Ethereum's native token Ether is trading around 15-month lows versus the king crypto and the lowest since Ethereum switch to proof of stake. I think that was their death wish personally and the worst move they could have potentially made. What are your thoughts, fam? Here we go. The 
ETH slash Bitcoin pair dropped as low as 0.056 Bitcoin earlier in the week. And in doing so, it broke below its 200-week exponential moving average near 0.058 BTC, raising downside risk further into 2023. The 200-week exponential moving average has historically served as reliable support for the Bitcoin slash ETH bulls. For instance, the pair rebounded 75% three months after testing that wave support in July of last year. And conversely, it dropped over 25% after losing that same support in October of 2020. As outlined here in the chart, ETH slash BTC stares at similar sell-off risk in 2023 after losing its 200-week exponential moving average of support. So in this case, the next downside target looks to be around the 0.5 Fibonacci line near zero, I mean 0.051 Bitcoin in 2023, down 9.5% from the current price action. And conversely, Ethereum price may rebound towards 50-week exponential moving average near 0.065 Bitcoin if it reclaims that 200-week EMA. Now, Ethereum's persistent weakness versus Bitcoin is reflected in the institutional capital flow data. So let's discuss it. For instance, October 6, Bitcoin-specific investment funds had attracted $246 million year-to-date, according to CoinShares. And on the other hand, Ethereum funds have lost capital, witnessing outflows worth $104 million in that same period. I mean, here's the chart shows you the flows by asset. Now, the discrepancy is likely due to the growing buzz about a potential spot Bitcoin ETF in the United States, which towards the end of the show, we'll be breaking this down in great details, the likelihood of that spot ETF being approved here in the short term. Now, trade pundits argue that a spot Bitcoin ETF will attract $600 billion. I'd say it's going to usher in trillions. Hey, what are your thoughts? In addition, Bitcoin's fourth halving is scheduled to take place April 24th, 2024, roughly six months out, and is also acting as a tailwind versus the altcoin market. And as we all know, the Bitcoin halving is going to reduce the Bitcoin miners block reward from six and a quarter BTC to 3.125 BTC, which is a bullish case based on historical precedent that cuts the new supply in half. How many of you are pretty stoked up for that Bitcoin having around the corner? And what are your thoughts? Do you think Bitcoin will continue outpacing Ethereum as it has since it switched from proof of work to proof of stake? Let me know your honest thoughts in the comments right down below. Now let's discuss the latest with an Ethereum wallet called MetaMask. How many of you have heard of it or used it before? Let me know in the chat as it recently got pulled from the Apple iOS store. But interestingly enough, it later then return. So here's what's going on. Ethereum wallet MetaMask was removed from the Apple store for several hours, October 14th, raising concerns about its complete removal from the marketplace. The wallet is connected to various Web3 decentralized apps. MetaMask claims to have over 30 million users worldwide currently. And on October 14th, reports surfaced that MetaMask app no longer appeared in the App Store. Apple users were also unable to download the app from the MetaMask website. So according to a spokesperson for MetaMask, the issue isn't related to any security incident or malicious activity, quoting them here. We are aware that MetaMask isn't currently available for download on the App Store. This issue is unrelated to any malicious activity. Our dedicated team is working diligently to resolve it as quickly as possible. Importantly, this is not a security concern, and there is no compromise or action required on the user's part. Additionally, it is not related to the app's functionality. Now, even myself, as soon as I noticed this news, I shared it on the 14th, and within a few minutes, MetaMask responded, and they're like, 
this is not a, a big issue or a security concern, yada, 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 and it's being restored. So uh, back, let's see why that happened in the first place. That's what I want to know. Apple's service policies are likely behind the app's disappearance. So there you have it. Maybe it violated their terms and conditions. And according to the marketplace's guidelines, it doesn't allow apps to run unrelated background processes such as cryptocurrency mining. And according to MetaMask, the removal of its app was only temporary. Quoting them again, we anticipate MetaMask will be back on the app store shortly. And lo and behold, it is already back, fam. A spokesperson said minutes before the app turned back on, adding that any fake MetaMask apps on the app store should be reported immediately. So that's another thing which may have happened. A lot of scammers and imposters out there with apps pretending to be something they're not. MetaMask faces challenges from big tech marketplaces for the second time. In December 2019, the company was suspended from the Google Play App Store for allegedly violating the company's financial services guidelines. Google cited its policy prohibiting crypto mining on mobile devices and promptly rejected a MetaMask appeal to reverse the ban. Apple's guidelines also require app developers to share 30% of transaction revenues. That's right. And for crypto firms, including those that want iOS users to be able to purchase NFTs, the 30% Apple tax has also been a barrier. So there you have it, fam. Me personally, I'm not a big fan of MetaMask. I have used it long, long, long ago. But Again, I've become uh, more distance from Ethereum since they moved from the uh, proof of work protocol to a proof of stake. And of course, Ethereum is in, uh, or I'm sorry, MetaMask is an Ethereum ERC20 wallet convenient to use on your computer using Firefox. It's simply a plugin in which you install and it allows you to send and receive cryptocurrency. So let me know, fam, if that has impacted or affected you in any way. And have you used MetaMask before? Uh, you know, let me know. Now let's break down Bitcoin versus gold and silver, shall we? The two most popular precious metals. Here we go. On Tuesday, an anonymous crypto analyst from Invest Answers channel, shout out to Invest Answers, uh, shared more light on the future of Bitcoin. He revealed Bitcoin is set to surpass both gold and the silver market cap in no more than a decade. And correct me if I'm wrong, chat, but I believe the gold market cap is currently sitting at roughly $12 trillion. So here we go. Over the years, Bitcoin has been regarded as digital gold or gold 2.0 or gold with wings due to the fact that crypto offers the same benefits as gold with each even additional features. That's right. In times of economic and political turbulence, Bitcoin has been a safe haven asset. And in the video, the analyst was able to highlight the underlying difference between Bitcoin and gold since silver is no longer a safe haven and gold has been more reliable as a precious metal than silver. So according to the crypto analyst, there has been distraught amongst the crypto community on the idea of whether the paper versions of gold, talking about derivatives, financial weapons of uh, financial destruction, right? And Bitcoin can change their real world prices and potential price manipulations by financial giants such as JP Morgan and BlackRock. However, the analyst was kind to shed some light on the growing issue in the video. He said, for gold, it's impossible to know if there is a gold backend to the paper that exists, which makes things very risky. On the other hand, with Bitcoin, it's much easier to prove and check, making it much more trustworthy. That's right. We also have the ability to pull our private keys, in which you can't do that in the gold or silver markets. In addition, the analyst stated that he strongly believes the Bitcoin will surpass gold in the next eight to 10 years, not just because of the preceding reasons, but because the crypto can be
be so easy to verify. Quoting him here, believe me, forget the other 20 advantages the Bitcoin has over gold. I believe Bitcoin will smash gold performance over the next eight to 10 years because you can verify. Therefore, I know a lot of the people are worried about paper and manipulation by the JP Morgan Chase and the Black Rocks of the world, but they can't because it is can be so easily verified. Now, another crypto analyst, David Waugh, the lead catalyst of CoinBits, has also backed the crypto. According to the analyst, Bitcoin's technological developments make it a superior asset over gold. Facts. He further added that crypto's improvements in divisibility, portability, durability, verifiability, and scarcity make the digital asset a more efficient and reliable store value. Facts. It's the greatest store value in the world. What alternatives do we have? Nothing in the same ballpark, in my humble opinion. Uh, so yeah, Grayscale Bitcoin ETF approval sparks some momentum. Uh, recently, the US SEC has been given less than a day to file an appeal on the Grayscale plan to convert their GBTC into a Bitcoin ETF or will be forced to approve the company's plan if the SEC fails to file an appeal. And in fact, they did fail to file the appeal. So this is actually a great indicator. Uh, Gary Gensler, uh, didn't appeal it whatsoever, which means they're going to have to be in talk and conversation moving forward with the conversion of GBTC, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, into a spot Bitcoin ETF in the United States. This is a massive deal because right now, Grayscale controls over 600,000 of the Bitcoin supply, which makes them the largest hodler in the world, even more so than the U.S. government, even more so than MicroStrategy, which was the first publicly traded company to put Bitcoin on the balance sheet. And in order for one of these massive behemoths, these financial institutions, to offer a spot Bitcoin ETF, which offers true price discovery in the market, they must be holding on to the underlying asset. So can you say incoming supply shock? Because could you imagine uh, these major institutions, the Black Rocks, the Fidelities, they get the green light, GBTC, ARC21, all of them, Vanguard, then it's game on. There's going to be a massive rush to purchase Bitcoin, which is going to drive the price action up. You got to consider the long-term hodlers. They're not selling. And I believe currently over 60% of the Bitcoin in circulation is in the hands of the long-term hodlers. So let's go. Where my long-term hodlers at? Make some noise in the comments right down below. Now let's break down our next story of the day and dive deeper into the spot Bitcoin ETF and what this likely means moving forward and what's the probability, like the chances, the odds that this spot Bitcoin ETF does get approved by January of next year before the halving set to occur in April. Let's break this baby down, shall we? Shout out to everyone in that live chat. Make some noise. Following notable changes to the ARC21 share spot Bitcoin ETF app, Bloomberg ETF analyst James Safart and Eric Balchunas of Bloomberg predicted that the US SEC could approve a fund as early as next year. And here's the stat. 90% chance of approval. That means there is a 9 out of 10 you know, percent chance that this happens. In a post shared on X, Safart highlighted his team's prediction of the 90% chance that a spot Bitcoin ETF gets approved by ARK Invest's January 10th deadline. Let's go. January 10th is the day the SEC is expected to make that final decision, approval, or denial on the ARK Invest spot Bitcoin ETF app. How do you think this will likely play out? Let me know your predictions, fam. Their latest prediction comes amid the recent amendment that ARK Invest and 21 shares made to their spot Bitcoin ETF 
prospectus. These updates include further context to the fund and additional risk disclosures. These analysts believe that this sort of amendment only happens when a fund is on its way to being approved. So definitely a good omen and a great, great, great uh, opportunity for all of us in crypto to front run these major institutions. Now, uh, these Bloomberg analysts had earlier predicted following the Grayscale victory, there was a 75% chance that the pending spot Bitcoin ETF apps could be approved this year and that the odds would rise to 95% by the end of next year if these funds weren't approved. By then. So Eric Balchuna has noted recently on X that Invesco Galaxy had also amended its spot Bitcoin ETF prospectus following the ARC 21 shares amendment. He stated that he expects other applicants to update their apps soon. This suggests that the SEC could approve all apps simultaneously, similar to what it did with the Ethereum futures ETFs. Could you imagine like a domino effect one after the other? Let's go. <laughs> Meanwhile, these spot Bitcoin ETF apps were given a huge boost following the SEC decision not to appeal the court ruling in the case recently against Grayscale. The SEC had until October 13th to appeal the court's appealing ruling that it had acted arbitrarily and capricious, uh, capriciously in disapproving the Grayscale app to convert a GBTC fund into a spot ETF. And following the decision not to file the app or appeal to the Supreme Court, Reuters reported that the appeals court is expected to issue a mandate laying out how the SEC can carry out its order, including the commission reviewing the Grayscale application again. Now, James Safard also noted the dialogue between Grayscale and the SEC should begin next week, which I'll be covering here in the show. However, it remains uncertain if or when the SEC will approve these apps, especially considering that it has delayed its decision on all spot Bitcoin ETFs until next year. So there you have it, fam. Let me know when spot Bitcoin ETF in the United States. Do you think it can happen in January by that deadline? Do you think it'll be pushed back again, potentially to March before the halving taking place in April? Or do you think it could potentially get pushed back to post having, which would mean after April of 2024. Let me know your thoughts and which major asset manager do you think will get the green light first? Will it be BlackRock, the largest asset manager in the world, which controls 10 trillion in assets under management? Will it be Fidelity that controls four and a half trillion in assets under management? Will it be ARC 21? who Kathy says they had their application first, so it's first come, first serve? Or could it be a smorgasbord of ETFs where they all get approved roughly at the same time? Because competition is a damn good thing. And again, it's going to attract trillions upon trillions of dollars into the Bitcoin market and be an absolute game changer. So personally, I cannot wait. And with that being shared Fam. Now let's dive into our breaking story of the day. Macroeconomist Lynn Alden predicts the Bitcoin price to 10x from here, virtually meaning a $280,000 Bitcoin price action. She was recently interviewed on Kitco News just a couple of days ago, and I transcribed the highlights from her interview. So let's break this baby down, shall we? A massive shout out to everyone in the live chat. This is the video. If you want to watch her whole interview, it's actually a two-part series. Series. And as you can see here, U.S. government shutdown, November impact on the economy, U.S. gold and Bitcoin, 
with Lynn Alden. But like I said, I took all the highlights for your convenience. And here's what she had to share. Way that markets work in terms of money, especially on the global scale, is that over time, people want to get out of weaker monies as they can. And if there is all this kind of fencing that kind of keeps them in, but technology is way too kind to break through that. And so it is when we see kind of these countries fail, like these currencies fail, they generally don't return to the gold standard. If anything, they dollarize. That's usually their go-to. And so we generally see that as developing countries have currency problems and developing currencies kind of get in roads in there. And the big question is what happens when eventually these major developed currencies fail or begin to have their kind of ongoing inflationary spiral in a similar way to what you see in an emerging market. So basically, when their debt level gets so high, when their interest expense is completely untenable, when we have an energy shortage, for example, and you see kind of just money printing from these central banks, what happens then? Great question. What is the apex predator, aka Bitcoin, that comes after then in a similar way that the dollar comes after? Argentina comes after Lebanon. Uh, what comes after these major currencies when they eventually start to have problems? Great question. And really, the only two options I think are gold or Bitcoin. In a world where Bitcoin was never invented, gold would be the only possible fallback mechanism to recapitalize the system, reset, and unfortunately, probably build the whole system all over again. You probably would fraction reserve gold again and kind of repeat this cycle over the next century. I don't know. Bitcoin presents another path. We can take that the question then becomes, will Bitcoin remain secure and decentralized enough to kind of hold that burden? I think so. It's scarcer than gold in the sense that, as you know, lower terminal supply. So eventually zero inflation compared to gold's on average one and a half percent inflation per year. Preach. Bitcoin is also portable, so you can bring it around the world with you. You can memorize 12 words and you can bring all of your Bitcoin with you. Preach. Whereas if you try to bring dollars or gold through the airport, you're going to be pretty restricted in how much you can legally bring through the practically bring through so that the portability and that extra scarceness gives it a really powerful advantage. But of course, it is relying on the global telecommunication system. It is reliant on being able to survive against potential attacks or bugs. And so it is you know where we are still less than 15 years into Bitcoin's existence. And I think every kind of cycle that goes through is another test to see how resilient it is to the extent that if Bitcoin does not break, if Bitcoin cannot be captured or defeated in some way, I would expect it to continue capturing market share. And then should whatever reason it fail, gold is still the fallback option. It is something that you know the power goes out and you have gold, you still have your own bare asset money. So I still think gold has a role even in a Bitcoin future. And the main question between gold or Bitcoin comes down to can nation states break Bitcoin? Can someone try to find a way to break Bitcoin? Will Bitcoin ever fall from its own incentive structure? Like will whatever kind of centralized in a way that damages it? And if not, I think it continues taking the market share. That's right, the apex predator dominates, fam. In a world where Bitcoin is successful, large institutions are going to own chunks of it. Eventually, even the central banks would own it. We could have a Bitcoin standard preach. And over time, I think it's one of those things. If any one entity were to own, say, 20% of Bitcoin, I find that very concerning because if there were kind of attempts at forks and things like that, they'd have a lot of pricing power to help determine which fork can win. But if an entity has a few percentage of the Bitcoin network, I don't view that as an attack. 
on Bitcoin. In general, the scarcer an asset is, the faster it can be withdrawn. The harder it is to build large paper markets over it. So one of the challenges with gold is that as scarce and attractive as it is, the portability is limiting. The divisibility, the verification is limiting. And so historically what happens is people want to hold their gold in vaults and then it gets fraction reserved and rehypothecated and that eventually breaks after decades, eventually entities like China or India just kind of keep taking the gold and keep taking the gold and eventually things break, just like the central banks are hoarding gold right now. But that's usually a multi-decade process, whereas if you have something like Bitcoin, that can be withdrawn quicker. That's right. We have the power to you know, pull our keys. Every 10 minutes on average, the entire network is audited by the node network. You can bring Bitcoin out. It grows more slowly, has zero terminal inflation. That shrugs off attempts of rehypothecation and fractional reserves more quickly, the cycle years instead of decades. Bitcoin is kind of a binary outcome. Either it works tremendously well, or it probably doesn't work very much at all. It eventually stagnates and dies. So basically saying 20 years from now, does something kill it? Does nobody want to use it? Do people find something better? If so, then you're not going to have almost any volume, perhaps no volume. But on the other hand, listen up, folks. If Bitcoin continues to be successful, the volumes could be tremendous and Bitcoin would be prospering in that regard. So at the 14-year mark into that, you know, 14 years since Bitcoin's inception, the Bitcoin network does process trillions of dollars worth of Bitcoin transactional volume. Now, a lot of that is moving between the exchanges. A lot of that is people choosing to pull that into their own cold storage. Basically, you still have a lot of overall volume. It is not really Really yet for medium exchange purposes, but I think that's normal in this kind of early period of adoption where the price keeps going up, and that's where the capital gains taxes on any sale, which you might have. People have a natural tendency to hoard it and use it, that savings, and I think the fact that you know if you go back to 2010 and say this network is worth a half a trillion dollars, the current temporary speaker of the house hosts the Bitcoin white paper on his website. He is actually a Bitcoin fan. Breach. We have had multiple political presidential candidates talking about Bitcoin. That's right. Kennedy Jr., DeSantis, etc. We have a nation that has adopted it as the second legal tender alongside the dollar. Shout out to Najib Bukele in El Salvador. They have their own Bitcoin office. Preach. You have, you know, the kingdom of Bhutan was mining Bitcoin. We have some of the Middle Eastern countries getting into Bitcoin mining. We have trillions of dollars in transactional volume. So I do think that we are actually quite far along in that whole vision. When I picture seven years from now, so Satoshi's 20-year mark, I do expect it to be further along. But when you kind of compare where the Bitcoin network is now and where it can go or what the competition is, we look at Fedwire. So the Federal Reserve-based settlement system that set and this is not a typo, one quadrillion dollars of settlement volumes per year. It was above one quadrillion. That's a thousand trillions in gross settlement volume. So these numbers can reach extremely high volumes. Basically, what Bitcoin is, is a decentralized open source fed wire for the world. And so right now it is still tiny compared to the biggest ledger, which is the US dollar system, the fed wire system, the euro dollar system built around that system. That's by far the biggest network. Bitcoin is nowhere near getting to that. And I think even in seven years, it'll still be probably not in the same ballpark as the dollar system. But I do think in seven years, Satoshi's 20-year mark, I do think Bitcoin could be another 
10x here in terms of market cap, transaction volumes, and overall adoption. I do not think another order magnitude would be off the table in that time frame, and I think that'd be considered very successful for that time frame. So there you have it, coming directly from macroeconomist Lynn Alden. So what's 10x the market cap of Bitcoin from 500 billion, just north of where we are currently at? Then we're looking at you run the math, I think that would be roughly $5 trillion market cap. And if we do the math, what is 10x the current price action? That's above $270,000 per Bitcoin. So let me know if you agree or disagree with the prediction from Lynn Alden. And don't forget to check out CryptoNewsAlerts.net for the full premium experience with video and to participate in the live Q&A. And I look forward to seeing you on tomorrow's episode. Hoddle.